What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, man. January 2nd, 2023. I'm wishing all you guys a happy new year. May you guys keep going up, keep striving for greatness, keep pushing, keep trying to get 1% better each and every single day, man. Keep the faith, keep going, and just understand that the universe is working in y'all favor, man. Don't ever, ever question that. Everything is working out in divine timing for you, and you are going to have all the success that you've ever wished, dreamed of, and worked hard to achieve, man. So I'm just wishing you guys nothing but peace, prosperity, and blessings this year, and just keep going, man. I can really not emphasize that enough. Just do it. Like Nike says, I know it's corny and cliche, but really, you just never know what you're fully capable of doing until you just go out there and do it, man. So just be all gas, no brakes. Don't look back unless you're just trying to learn a lesson and understand that everything is going to work out in your favor. But with that being said, I want to jump right into this episode because I've kind of had both these teams on my mind in the college basketball game. And both these teams have some similarities. And they are the Kentucky Wildcats, who are currently 9-4, and four, led by head coach John Calipari, and the Michigan Wolverines, who are currently 8-5, and five, led by head coach Jawan Howard, out there in Ann Arbor. So both of these teams slash schools slash coaches both have some similarities. One, they both have elite and great big man between Oscar Shibway and Hunter Dickinson. Two, they both lack the perimeter shooting and talent on the wings alongside Oscar Shibway and Hunter Dickinson. And three, both of their coaches have been caught up recently in some controversy. Jawan Howard, I think what was that last year when he got in trouble for, you know, trying to smack Greg Gard. I think he did smack Greg Gard. I don't remember how, you know, went out. Coach Calipari for Kentucky, he's been dealing with some issues because Kentucky, you know, they haven't been to a Final Four since 2015. They got close in 2017 before they lost in the Elite Eight to North Carolina with Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, and Bam Adebayo. They've had a couple other opportunities. And then, of course, last year, was kind of like the boiling point for Kentucky fans and John Calipari, losing in the first round to St. Peter's of the NCAA tournament. Even though they had a successful season before that, a lot of people were just angry at Cal because they did have a lot of talent. They did have the reigning national player of the year in the game in Oscar Shibway. And so both these programs are just in very interesting spots. And I want to talk about both of them. So let's talk about Kentucky first because we'll get to Michigan. Kentucky... They've been on my head a lot because I always say that in this game nowadays, in 2023, the college basketball game, you must have a staple of your program that either is reliant on offense or defense or rebounding, either one of those three. Those three things determine outcomes of basketball games. I think in order, I'll probably go defense, rebounding, and then offense, right? For Kentucky, the staple of their program has nothing to do with any three of those. It's reliant on talent because every year when we talk about Kentucky, all we do is talk about the talent, the talent, the talent, the talent. And the talent is okay on this team. It's not up to regular Kentucky basketball standards under Calipari, but it's solid. Between Kaysen Wallace, you know, of course you got Oscar back, you know, Jacob Toppin is solid, Chris Livingston starting to play better. You got a couple other guys here and there, right? Damon Collins, we'll talk about in a second. He's still up and down. Of course, he had a tragedy going into the season, losing his father, but he's starting to slowly but surely find his footing. My thing, though, is that with Cal, you cannot keep being reliant 
upon just talent, man. Talent is good. It's phenomenal. Of course, come March time, talent does win you games. But at the same time, how much longer can you rely on talent when talent is everywhere? You look right now at Fayetteville in Arkansas. Even with Nick Smith and Trayvon Brazil going down, Arkansas still has more lottery talent on their team than Kentucky. If I were to say that five years ago, a lot of people would call me crazy because that was never the case because Kentucky was always, you know, the crown jewel of the SEC. They were always a tier above everybody else, and they just had the most talent compared to anybody else. They put out more NBA talent than the rest of the SEC combined. Well, now that's no longer the case because you have Darius Garland going to Vanderbilt. Even just this year, again, you got Anthony Black and Nick Smith at Arkansas. You got Brandon Miller at Alabama. With all due respect to Kaysen Wallace, because Kaysen Wallace is a good player, those last three names that I just named are probably all going to get drafted higher than Kaysen Wallace. And again, that's just never been the case for Kentucky basketball. So that's been my biggest issue is that when we go into the offseason, we're always just talking about the talent that's on Kentucky's roster. Talent has shown that that's not the only way to win games. You have to be connected as a team. Again, you have to rebound and you have to defend. And so my thing with Kentucky is that everybody was putting all these high expectations and they were talking so good about these players. And I don't mind that. It just gets to a point when you start to praise these dudes so much that the fans will turn on them quickly the moment they have, they make a bad play, they take a bad shot, or they just have a, an overall bad game. And you're seeing that with Jacob Topman. Jacob Topman came out and said that he's been dealing with some mental health issues. And Oscar came out and said that he's asked Coach Calipari to kind of switch you know, his philosophy and his approach with the team because they need that. And I think that is a very fair point. I'm glad Oscar came out and said that because that's true. Coach Cal just loves to yell. He, you know, he has high expectation. He demands a lot out of his players, as every coach should, because you're you're recruiting these dudes to help make your life easier. But at the same time, it's high expectations when you play at Kentucky. High expectations because they're one of the biggest brands, if not the biggest brand in the sport. And so the expectations are always going to be sky high. And in the summer, all I heard was, you know, Jacob Toppin is a guaranteed first-round pick. He's taking a leap. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. You know, Damian Collins, same thing. And, of course, again, like I said, Damian Collins was facing a tragedy. You know, we're we giving him nothing but love and respect, and we're sending him nothing but love and respect because he deserves that. But even when I'm watching him, I don't even think Kyle's playing him right because I've never seen Damian Collins on the wing, and he's just a threat. Like, he can knock down shots. But you're never going to see him put the ball on the floor and take two to three dribbles to get to the rack and try and finish over the top of the defense. That just hasn't been the case. So I don't even like how they're using him. And that goes to the biggest problem with Kentucky is that Cal needs to switch up his philosophy. Because as I mentioned, their offense is based off NBA players and getting them into their spots. Whether it was Jamal Murray from the mid-range, Tyler Hero, Kevin Knox, the list goes on. You could just put these guys in spots, give them the ball, and expect them to make a play. Outside of Kaysen Wallace and a little bit Severe Wheeler, you can't really do that with this team. And it's funny because I heard a lot of C.J. Frederick praise this offseason, and the same thing with Antonio Reeves, who of course came over from Illinois State. C.J. Frederick was hurt all the last season. I believe it was because of plantar fasciitis, but he came over from Iowa a couple of seasons ago, and I was trying to tell Kentucky fans that he's a good shooter, but he was never the best shooter on any of the Iowa teams that he played on. And even with that, Fran McCaffrey's one of the best coaches in the country when it comes to scheming open shooters. He's great at getting his shooters open, excuse me, and giving them good looks. K 
Cal does not do that. And that's an issue. And so for Kentucky to be better, they need Jacob Toppin, C.J. Frederick, and Antonio Reeves to simply be better. The talent is there. Again, it's not as great as some previous Kentucky teams. But when we look at some of their losses, again, they're 9-4. and four. Their losses aren't bad. They lost to my Michigan State Spartans at the Champions Classic. They lost to Gonzaga on a neutral floor at Spokane Arena, which, you know, is pretty much considered Gonzaga, but it's not Gonzaga's campus. It's not the kennel. Then they lost against UCLA, who's really good. I think you could make a case as the best team in the Pac-12 at the CBS Classic. And then they lost most recently to Missouri at Missouri in their first SEC test of the season. And that's not a bad loss either because Dennis Gates has a squad up there in Columbia. And I've been telling people a couple podcasts ago, I said one of the main programs that I'm putting all my stock into is Missouri. So Kentucky's losses aren't that bad. It really just comes down to one, Calipari being better when it comes to putting his guys in better positions to succeed. And two, guys do have to just start making shots because right now their free throw shooting is horrendous and it's cost them more than a few games so far this season. But when you look at the SEC in totality, I think the only teams that are clearly better than Kentucky right now are Alabama. I will still give Arkansas the slight edge, even with Nick Smith Jr. being sidelined for knee management. And, of course, Trayvon Brazil towards ACL a few weeks ago. He's done for the season. But I will still take the Razorbacks over them. And then Tennessee. As much as I don't want to say it because you guys know I do not like Tennessee whatsoever, they have a team. And their defense is really good. And that travels on the road or at home, of course, where they win pretty much all their games for the majority of the season. Their offense is still a little bit suspect, but I do trust Kai Ziegler. And I do think Julian Phillips is only going to get better and better and better. But outside of that, you know, LSU was okay. I'm still not really buying into the Mississippi State hype. Ole Miss doesn't know what they are. Vanderbilt is a bottom-tier team. Georgia, same thing. Florida has the talent, but Ty Golden's offense right now is just, I can't even fully explain it, but it's not good whatsoever. So Kentucky should be in the upper echelon of the SEC, but they got to figure it out because you know what Oscar going to get you. You know what Case is going to get you. And even Severe Wither, you know what he's going to get you. And I don't like a lot of Kentucky fans for blaming Severe Wheeler. Like, they put the brunt of their problems on Severe Wheeler, and I don't think that's fair. Like, yes, theoretically and hypothetically, I wouldn't want an undersized point guard that can barely shoot playing next to a guy like Oscar who dominates the paint and needs his space. But he's also been solid. He does not give up anything defensively. He does and can get to the rim and paint pretty much at will, and he makes plays for others. So the Severe Wheeler blame is not really fair at all, in my opinion. And I understand, again, He's not a Kentucky guy. I mean, he's not an NBA guy, but he's still a really good college basketball player. It's the reason that he's led the SEC in assists for, I think, the past two seasons now. So please respect him because he's been Kentucky's third most consistent player. So that's just that. But again, I'm not too worried about Kentucky. I just think that Calipari simply needs to be better. Kentucky fans have given him a pass for the past few years, which I just do not understand because the offense has just been getting worse and worse and worse, especially as, again, the talent disparity has been more even, or excuse me, the talent has had as much parity as it's ever had in the game of college basketball, so they just got to figure it out, man, but we'll see where they go. Again, their losses aren't bad, but they need to get it together because conference time is here, it's approaching, and it's arriving very, very soon, and they just got to get it together. So let's go to Michigan now because, again, they got some of the same problems and similarities of Kentucky, but with them, 
as much of a beast as Hunter Dickinson is. He's a walking double-double. He's a walking 20 and 10. He's a monster, right? Jet Howard has been way better than I could have ever expected him to be. I remember he was good at IMG. I thought he would be solid this year as a freshman, but he looks like he's clearly a lottery pick. I think he's averaging like close to 15 points per game. He's a big-time wing. And, of course, his pops is an NBA legend, so it's in his genes. So I guess it's no reason I should have ever questioned him, but he's been amazing. Outside of that, though, Terrace Reed has given him some good minutes backing up Hunter Dickinson. Will Shedder, the redshirt freshman, has given him some good time. You know, Kobe Bufkin and Terrence Williams have been solid, but they need to be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing. Second biggest thing is that they need their perimeter play and their wing players to just be consistent, to just knock down some shots. Like, Hunter is going to attract attention every single night. Like, Central Michigan, they put a hard double team on Hunter Dickinson, and they lived with Michigan settling for outside shots, and that's how they won the game in Ann Arbor. And I know that loss was tough, and that was a huge, you know, shot to the heart for this team because their losses weren't necessarily that bad. Outside of the Arizona State game, that was a bad loss, especially because Frankie Collins, who, of course, was at Michigan a year ago, was now at Arizona State playing in the Pac-12 for Bobby Hurley. You just can't have that loss because you let that guard go, and he looks better than all the guards that you have on your team now. That's a bad look. But that loss was a bad one, which they lost by 15, I believe, on a neutral floor. Then they lost to Kentucky and London by four. They lost to North Carolina by four. And again, the Central Michigan loss was bad. But also last night, they beat Maryland. And Maryland, I don't think Maryland is as good as a lot of people kind of have been talking about them and giving them their praise for. I think they're kind of like Minnesota last year where Ben Johnson and the Golden Gophers started off really hot in the non-conference style. I think they went on the road to Mississippi State and beat Mississippi State. And then when Big Ten play hit, they just completely got punched in the mouth and they fell off the map. And I think that's kind of going to be the case for Maryland. The town is there, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was for Minnesota last year. I just don't think they're as good as a lot of people thought they were going into Big Ten play. So that's that. But Michigan concerns me because, again, outside of the wing stuff, right, because they kind of recruit their wings kind of like North Carolina where they don't get the greatest athletes. Like Caleb Houston was a shooter, not a crazy athlete. Terrence Williams is solid, does a little bit of everything. But, again, he's not a, a above-the-rim type athlete. Kobe Bufkin, same thing. Like, they don't have those big-time athletes. I know they try to get Terrence Shannon Jr., but Mark Adams and Michigan's admissions department alongside each other just did not allow Terrence Shannon to transfer from Texas Tech to Michigan. So that was kind of a big blow to them as well. Of course, he's now at Illinois, and you see how that you know, problem is going right now with him, Brad Underwood, and Matthew Mayer. But the biggest issue is Jawan continuously recruiting these point guards from mid-major levels. And it's nothing against Mike Smith, who, of course, was the first one from, I believe, Columbia. And then they got Devontae Jones, or I think it was Devontae Smith from last I don't know why I was getting mixed up, but he came from Coastal Carolina last year. And then this year, they had Jalen Llewellyn, who came over from Princeton. He gets a major injury in that game against Kentucky. Sadly, he's out for the rest of the season. And so now, they're going to be reliant upon Doug McDaniels. Doug McDaniel, I believe it is, excuse me, to be their point guard for the foreseeable future for not just the rest of this year, but for the next few years. And I think that's a good thing because they need that. You need a point guard that you can bring in as a freshman. You can develop him. You can get him to understand your play style and you can build him up to be a, a solid point guard in the Big Ten. And honestly, I think Doug is going to end up being more than a solid point guard. I think him getting this experience and playing this amount of minutes so early in his career is going to pay off in the long run 
a lot for him in a couple years because that's what Jawan has been missing. Hunter Dickinson is a seven foot two beast. He's a monster in the paint. But the fact that he's had a different point guard every single season that he's been playing college basketball is a crime because you need a guard that knows how to get you in your spots, that knows where you're going to be at, that's going to give you a chance to get offensive rebounds, that's going to make life easier for you in the pick and roll game. But every year, Hunter has to adjust to a new point guard, and that's just not fair whatsoever. And I assume Hunter's going to be back one more year because he does have that extra year of COVID eligibility left. So he's probably going to take that more than likely. But hopefully Doug is still there, which I think he will be. Again, I like Doug McDaniel a lot. I think he is a player. Out of the DMV, he's been a fun player to watch for a long time. So I'm not too concerned, but I look at a guy like Isaiah Collier. Isaiah Collier, I thought, was a must-have, must-get priority recruit for Jawan Howard. Why? Because, again, even if he was just a one-and-done player, for those of y'all that don't know Collier, to me, is the best player in the class of 2023. He's committed to USC. He committed to SC over UCLA, Cincinnati, and Michigan. He's from Atlanta, goes to Wheeler High School down there, which is a big-time program in the A. Jalen Brown went there alongside a couple other big-time players, and he's that good. And he is a program-changing type of point guard. And luckily, Andy Enfield got him over to the West Coast and, and snagged him from a couple other good programs. But Jawan needed that type of player because if they can get a big-time point guard alongside Hunter, they could be in the Elite Eight like that. Like, easily, because they have almost everything. But I just think that consistent, you know, circle and circus of rotating point guards is just not a good way to run your program. Because we all know, come March time, guard play reigns supreme. And you need guards that could score, facilitate, make others better, and defend at a high level. And right now, at Michigan, you're consistently bringing in a different guy year after year after year. And it's just like... You're, you're putting your entire weight and pressure of your program on a dude that hasn't even been there for longer than a year. And that's a problem. And so, again, I'm not too worried about either one of these programs. Like, Michigan, in the long run, should be fine, even though they barely made it to the NCAA tournament last year. I think they had, like, 11 losses, and they end up in the Sweet 16 after beating Colorado State and Tennessee, led by Kennedy Chandler. But it's not going to be that easy this year. The Big Ten is really good, just like the SEC is really solid. So, they got to get it together because right now, like, I don't see them beating too many teams, like, right now. And I do think, again, they're going to slowly but surely get together, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And so I'm not too worried. I just want to talk about both these teams because they got some issues right now. And they need to fix and tweak these issues, and they really need to do some soul searching and get it together because conference play is here, man. But as always, I appreciate you guys for making it this far, man. Please continue to like comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. We are going to keep going up. We are going to keep our foot on the gas. We're going to keep being great. We're going to get some guests on the pod this year. I know you guys get tired of hearing me talk a lot, but trust me, I got you guys this year. We're only going to continue to evolve. And as always, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share again. And as always, peace and love gone.